0: Ladies and gentlemen, Cardinal fans of all ages, welcome to Chris & Coach Beyond the Box Score. I'm Chris Grace. I'll be your host, joined every week by current Wesleyan Athletic Director and former head football coach, Mike Whalen. Each week, Coach and I will interview some of your favorite former Cardinals and find out exactly what they've been up to. Without further ado, it's time to check in with the coach, Mike Whalen. Coach, another episode. It feels like it's been so long, but it's only been just a couple of minutes virtually since I last talked to you. And we got another great guest welcoming in another footballer, but not a footballer, a footballer. Class of 2003, Perry Hammond is joining us. Coach, tell us about tonight's guest.
1: Well, uh, you know, what's really interesting about Perry is, uh, you know, he he was recruited to uh, to Wesleyan by uh, Coach Terry Jackson and uh, then Coach Jackson retired. And so, Perry's freshman year, he actually came in and started with uh, our current coach, uh, head coach Jeff Wheeler. So they, they uh, were rookies together at Wesleyan and uh, curious to uh, to uh, hear uh, about uh, Perry's journey through Wesleyan and then and then beyond. So, uh, you know, it'll be an interview that you do most of the talking because because you're the soccer guy here. You know, you're the you're the you're the guy that can handle all that, you know. And but I'm uh, looking forward to uh, to uh, hearing about uh, Perry's journey.
0: You're not going to want to miss it. Perry has a super interesting journey. He spent a lot of time abroad, overseas, uh, investing himself in the world of Spanish football. And, you know, really, it's, it's, it's an interview you're not going to want to miss. But before that, there's a couple words you're not going to want to miss. That's right. That's what everyone tunes in for. He drives the ladies wild. Producer extraordinaire, Mike O'Brien. Tell us how we can please stay connected with our podcast.
2: You can stay connected with the podcast by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Wes underscore athletics and on Facebook at Wesland.athletics. We're also on Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe and give us a review. Or if you'd like to contact us directly, you can email athletics at Wesleyan.edu.
0: We want you to stay in touch with the podcast. Also, please feel free to yell at me on my own personal Twitter. At Chris Grace 82. Coach doesn't have Twitter, but we're hoping we're going to pull it in by 2025 for the coach. <laughs> coach, is coach is coming in hot in the year 2025 when it comes to the Twitter game. But uh, we've talked enough for right now. It's time to catch up with our guest for tonight, class of 2003, former Wesleyan soccer player, Perry Hammond. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score, along with the coach, Mike Whalen. The man behind the man, Mike O'Brien, our producer. I'm Chris Grayson. Tonight we welcome in another great former Cardinal class of 2003, former Cardinal soccer player, current general manager of Lane United of the USL Division Two. He is Perry Hammond. Perry, welcome to our podcast.
2: Thanks, guys. Excited to be here, and uh, should add to my athletic career at Wesley and that I rode the pine on the baseball team my freshman year as well.
0: Beautiful beautiful we, we don't miss an opportunity to talk Wesley and baseball that's right in my right in my soul perfect time so so Perry when I was when I was looking into your career today and I was trying to figure out the first thing I wanted to talk to you about the first thing that popped out to me is that you're from the Bay Area and uh, you know there aren't many Cardinals that are from the Bay Area so what I want to know is how did someone who who calls that area his home end up in Middletown Connecticut
2: yeah no it's a it's a good question um suppose when I was a junior and starting to consider what I wanted to do for college, um, you know, I, at that point in time, I thought it was really important to me to continue to try and play two sports at the next level. Um, I knew that baseball D one was absolutely not going to happen. Um, soccer, I probably could have tried to walk on at you know, some small to mid-level program if I really worked my tail off. Um, But, you know, I went to a small private high school in San Francisco. I liked the idea of going to a smaller university um, with a great on-campus life, um, where you really got to know a lot of different people um, really well. And so, um, was talking with our college counselor about schools that she thought might be a good fit for me and was planning a, an East Coast trip during spring break of my junior year. And I think I'd mentioned um, some other schools to her that I was aware of, um, like Vassar and Middlebury, um, as schools that I would potentially be interested in. And she suggested Wesleyan. And my reply was, uh, yeah, Christiane, that sounds great. Isn't that an all-girls school? Um, so I, of course, had only heard of Wellesley at that point. Um, and so she told, started to tell me a little bit more about Wesleyan, and I decided to add it to, to the East Coast swing um, that I took with my mom. And uh, I think that as I went from school to school, you know, some of them really seemed pretty similar to me, but when I stepped on Wesleyan's campus, something just felt a little bit different. Perhaps it was the baseball field in the middle of campus. Um, you know, it was a, I think I was there on a beautiful spring day. Um, got to walk uh, through the arts buildings and see the soccer field and just thought, man, this, this campus is really gorgeous. Um, and so I decided I would do the best I could to learn more and more about Wesleyan um, realized at some point, um, I think going into my senior year that, you know, I, I had okay grades, decent grades, but not great, um, but pretty high test scores and figured um, my best chance at getting into one of these really good schools is if I apply early um, and was leaning towards Wesleyan a little bit. Um, so talk my parents into letting me take one more trip out. Um, got to watch a soccer practice, stay with, because uh, he was a sophomore goalkeeper at the time, Mark Penrod, who's also from the Bay Area, um, from Piedmont, California. And so got to go to some classes, um, watch a practice, talk to a couple of guys on the team, um, talk a lot to Mark and some of his friends about it. Um, and, you know, they just had a lot of great things to say not only about the athletic side of Wesleyan, but really the academic side as well. And that was something that was really important to me was to try to get a really good, um, you know, to get a really good education. So, uh, yeah, I decided to that, that kind of, that all convinced me to, to apply early and, and I got in. And so, uh, that was that I was pretty excited.
1: And then, and then Perry, uh, you were, you were actually, when you applied to Westland early decision, it was uh, Coach Jackson's last year uh, before he retired, and then Coach Wheeler got hired. So you and Coach Wheeler actually arrived on campus together for the first season together, correct?
2: Yeah, that was interesting, not exactly knowing who the coach was going to be, but um, I had faith. Uh, that Wesleyan was, you know, was going to hire a, a great coach. And I'd al- also, of course, had conversations with Coach Costi, And, um, you know, both he and, and Terry Jackson said that they were going to um, do their best to, to help me get in as much as they could.
0: So I guess my question to you would be, you know, I went to college very far from home. Mm-hmm. What, was it, what was it like being 3,000 miles, 3, miles from, from your people?
2: Um, it wasn't too bad for me. I mean, I'd gone to summer camps when I was younger. Um, I went actually in in New York. I went to a summer camp for a while, was away from my parents for, for two months. Um, I didn't really feel like it was something I had to get too used to. Um, And once you get on campus, I mean, there's so much going on that you, yeah, I miss my parents um, miss my friends, but they were all off doing the same thing elsewhere. Um, and actually, you know, had more friends closer to me on the East coast. Um, and I got to visit them at schools they were attending or, um, you know, a a good friend of mine from high school, Kate Rader also went to Wesleyan and she was my year. Um, so I had friends around.
0: That's pretty remarkable. I mean, to know people when you're 3000 miles away, that's pretty awesome. Definitely helps. Uh, Yeah, for sure. So So you go to Wesleyan and you decide that you're going to play baseball and you're going to play soccer, right? Mm So um, we're going to focus a lot on soccer. So first things first, tell us about your baseball experience.
2: Um, I mean, it's not – you know, it wasn't a fantastic experience, so I don't know if I want to touch on it too much. I pretty much rode the pine, um, never played really at all, got a couple innings in the field. um, So – yeah, I mean, I, I I had some great teammates and lovely guys, and remained friends with a lot of them. Um, but yeah, after one year, it was kind of like, all right, well, if I'm I'm not even going to get a chance to show what I can do, um, I already have a lot going on with soccer, ab- academics, social life. Um, you know, Wesley has so much to offer, and I think at that point in my life, I realized that I was okay uh, playing only one sport. Just focusing it on the, just focusing in on the the soccer side of
0: things. I get it for
1: sure. So, so, uh, when I asked coach Wheeler, I said, uh, you know, give me, give me some insight. You know, what, 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 uh, tell me about Perry as a player. And, uh, he described you as a fearless attacking player. He said, and he said, uh, I needed to, uh, to, uh, ask you the, the, uh, the time, uh, in the Trinity game, when you challenged the Trinity goalie and your dad was came out to watch you play. And, uh, you said you won the challenge, but you came away a little scarred. So tell us a little bit about that, that, that encounter.
2: Uh, yeah. So I was uh, playing on the left wing and um, I think we won the ball in the midfield and um, you know, we're going on the attack and transition and uh, my, my roommate and good friend Padre Hughes with uh, dribbling the ball and down the, down the center of the pitch, a little bit on the right side. And I was making a run. I was wide open. I was calling for a through ball. Um, he kind of had his head down and probably played the through ball a second or two too late, which I never let him forget. Um, and I realized I wasn't quite going to get there, could kind of see the keeper coming out out of the corner of my eye. And so, uh, I slid to try to get to the ball and, um, got completely cleaned out by the goalkeeper and I didn't really know what happened. Um, you know, I probably had a minor concussion, but what I remember was uh, being on my back and uh, tasting a lot of blood in my mouth and not being able to feel any of the teeth, any of my teeth on the top row. And I looked up and saw two Trinity defenders standing over me with horrified looks on their faces. And one looked down and said, oh my God, dude, you're bleeding. <laughs> and I think I said, um, Yeah. You think so? And, uh, rolled over, um, to see if I could find any of my teeth in the grass and there was just blood streaming down from my upper lip, looked around a little, didn't see anything. And I knew, you know, I couldn't keep playing. So I simply just got up and ran off the field with blood streaming down our, our white home jerseys. (laughs) Um, and I later found out that I almost scored, uh, on the play, but I guess the, the shot went wide. Um, yeah. So, I mean, some guys on, I think my, my best friend and roommate on the team, um, Riz Valentino wasn't even aware until later. He looked around, where'd, per- where'd Perry go? And they're like, you didn't see like <laughs> Dad." I think took him to the infirmary. Um, they of course sent me to the ER and I got 36 stitches in my mouth, 11 oh. on the inside, 25 on the outside um Jeez. you can still see a little bit when i smile that i have oh my yeah here.
0: well for the uh, for the fans at home this is a this is an audio only podcast so i can confirm that he, he took some he took some damage that was a legit blow right there
2: yeah so i had a i've had a fat lip and a bit of a crooked smile since then um you know funny enough i think a week later um one of our you know i lived um um, lived with a couple other, my teammates and we were kind of the house where we would have soccer get togethers. And I think it was the week after that. Um, so that was my junior season, um, sophomore on our team, Chris Feige came over. Um, he had a friend or two from Trinity visiting and they, one of them took a look at me and said, hey, Oh, you're the guy who got, you know, taken out by our keeper. Right. And I said, yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> and he said, um, well, if it makes you feel any better, uh, your teeth apparently left a mark on our keeper's leg and <laughs> um, his wound got infected. And so he had to go to the hospital. And I said, that, that did make me feel a little bit better because he should have probably been carded and received a foul <laughs> for the challenge. I don't think he went for the ball and he was about six three, So, you know, just completely took me out. Um, and then, you know, years later um, when I was back in San Francisco, I was with some friends um, out at a bar. Uh, one of my buddies who'd done um, the Haas MBA at the university of Berkeley. Um, he had a couple of friends with him and one of them turned out to have uh, been on that Trinity team. And through conversation standing there at the, at a, at the bar with a pint in our hands, Um, came to the realization that he was one of the two defenders standing over me Um, and and may have been the guy who commented on my lip, but he said he remembered it very clearly as well. And that was probably a good, you know, 10 years or so after it happened. Small world.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) But would you change it if you could go back?
1: Maybe ask for the pass a little sooner.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I think I would have had a better chance to score. It's funny. I mean, you, you, yeah. It would have been nice to uh, not have missed the end of my junior season because of that. And I mean, so many interactions over the course of my life have been, you know, I've met people, Oh, what happened to your lip? Cause just for years, like, you know, <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Um, it's
0: a lifetime story. So like, that's something So that's, yeah, you can't yeah.
2: really go back and change those things, but right. Yeah. It would have been nicer to have scored in that moment, I suppose.
0: <laughs> so, so just focusing in on your Wesleyan soccer career, um, you know, I was looking in your, your junior season, you guys had a really nice season. Um, mm-hmm. And and, um, you know, obviously, we just kind of touched up on you didn't get to experience the entirety of it. But but you guys had some, you know, you guys had some pretty decent success. How would you sum up the entirety of just your playing career?
2: Um, it was a bit up and down, you um, Honestly, I mean, I, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, I had a little bit of misfortune just, you know, sophomore in my sophomore season, mostly got wiped out because I got mono, um, junior year. I had a couple nagging injuries prior to that, um, dislocated shoulder. Um, that was an off field incident during the season that I won't go into. (laughs) Um, but then, you know, kind of popped out once or twice during games. Um, And then, you know, senior year, um, also had a couple little niggling injuries and it's, it's hard, you know, the, the NESCAC season is so short that if you have, um, you know, a a minor injury, that's kind of keeping you out for a week. I mean, that's missing two games or, you know, I remember trying to play through an, an ingrown toenail and, uh you know, this insane Charlie horse I got when I dribbled by a defender and tried to play through knowing that I wasn't 100%, but trying to give what I could to the team. And, and that probably hurt me because, you know, I wasn't able to play well. Um, so I may have lost future minutes there, but you know, all that happens. You don't have enough time to really have a full recovery, get back into game shape and then be able to play, you know, a full 90 minutes or even, you know, a great 60 to 70 minutes. Um, But, you know, what I really look back on and cherish is the connections I made on the team, Um, you know, not only with Coach Wheeler, with whom I'm still in contact to this day, but all of my teammates, um, you know, my best friends um, that I'm still in contact from Wesleyan are are the guys that I came in with that freshman year who weren't necessarily recruited by Wheeler, um, but, you know, but with whom I played over the course of the four years. Um, and it, it was obviously fun, um, playing on an improving team. Um, you know, the team wasn't, wasn't having a ton of success, um, when I arrived and I think coach Wheeler, um, really did a lot to help improve the program. Um, and so once he started to get some of you know his own recruits in, um, you know, we had some solid talent in our class as well. I mean, we had a couple of guys who were starters as freshmen. Um, and you know, we, our, we had by my senior year, those guys were, some of those guys were captains. Um, so, you know, the first two years we didn't make the playoffs, um, but the the last two we did and we didn't have enough success to, to win a playoff game. But, um, for a while, my senior year, we were, we were ranked in the top 25 and I, it was, um, pretty exciting to, I guess, be a part of, you know, a turnaround of Wesleyan soccer. And I think that, you know, since then you, ha- you haven't really seen Wesleyan miss the playoffs very often. And, and he's won a title, which is pretty amazing. And I think that's something that while I was there, we, we knew that we didn't really have a shot at winning the title, That the best we'd probably do is, <clears throat> is make a run and, and try to w- maybe win a playoff game or two, um, which unfortunately didn't happen. Um but still had a great experience, really learned a lot and, um, you know, have great relationships with, with some of my teammates to this day.
0: You know, what I admire about coach Wheeler just having covered him over the last few years is that he's kind of a pragmatist. Like what, from what I've seen is that what, what he has, he tries to mold and and get the best out of those guys in that situation. So like what, what I saw a couple of years ago, he had a relatively young team and he had a great goalie and he had some some experienced defenders, and they played, you know, the, I don't want to say they parked the bus because they didn't do that, but they played in a way to get the best, to give themselves the best chance in each game. What was your experience with Coach Wheeler, like the young version of Coach Wheeler? Did you see that? Did you see someone who was kind of adapting on the fly and just trying to read each person? or, or how, what? Just kind of describe to me what, what your experience overall was with Coach and, and how you saw him developing as you know him to this day.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting question. I mean, I definitely think you could see him, um, you know, improve on the job. I think it was his first head coaching job. Um, you know, as a, I'm sure as many freshman athletes going into university, you're used to being the star player. Um, you realize there's going to be a little bit of an uphill curve, but still, you know, you think you should be out there all the time. And so, you know, my freshman year, I. Right. I had a hard time coming to grips with the fact, like, why aren't I starting every game? Like, I think I'm better than than right. the guys he's got out there. And, you know, eventually got got a few starts towards the end of my freshman year. Um, so, you know, you have, as a player, a, a large adaptation process. Um, yeah, I thought I should have been out there. But, you know, for the first time in my life, you're going out there where everyone else out on the field is, you know, a pretty superior athlete. Um, you know, I couldn't just kick the ball and run by guys like I used to in high school <laughs> um so you know I think we were both learning together um and I think over the course of our four seasons together I mean you could definitely see that um in some of the strategic and tactical things he did um And, you know, that the proof was in the pudding. I mean, our results were better every year that we were there. And we were even ranked in the top 25 for a little while my senior year before we hit a bit of a tailspin down, down the home stretch.
1: So, so Perry, um, you know, you, you going through your four years at West and, and, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're like my experience, you know, I, I, uh, you know, it was like sometime in you know, late April, early May, I, I said to myself, you know, I think they are going to be kicking me out of here pretty soon. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> um, and started to think about what, 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 what's next. I mean, you know, when, when you were, when you were going through that phase, what, what were you, what were you thinking, you know, as you were going out the door at West?
2: Yeah. Um, I don't think I was thinking as much as I should have, to be honest about it. Um, you know, I wasn't really aware I wasn't super aware that um, a lot of my friends were maybe doing internships and stuff during the summer. Um, I don't know if if they were as big then as you know now. It's uh, having gone to grad school and and you know college kids reach out to me all the time to ask for information and inter- interviews and seem. I don't know if it's just this generation is way more on it than than I was. Um, part of it, I think, stemmed from the fact that I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I was a psych major, but I realized I didn't think I wanted to go into that profession. I thought maybe sports psychology down the road, but I wasn't ready to, to hop straight into grad school at the time. Um, so I wasn't really sure um, what next steps I, I had to take. I probably didn't take good enough advantage of the resources that were available on campus at the time. Um, I had mentioned earlier in the podcast, my, the shoulder injury I suffered and it had gotten so bad, um, throughout my senior year that it was just popping out left and right. I mean, I couldn't, I remember playing, uh, pick up hoops and throwing a one handed cross court bounce pass and my shoulder fell out. And, um, you know, in previous times I've been able to just kind of work it around and pop it back in and I, I couldn't get back. Hit it back in. I saw Coach Wheeler walking by and yelled out and asked him if he could help me. And he was like, Yeah, no way am I touching that, man. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Perry. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen. So, um, so I spent my birthday in Super Bowl Sunday, my senior year, um, going to the ER <laughs> and getting my shoulder put back into place. But I, I knew that um, I think the first thing, I think it was a day or two days after I returned home to California from graduation. I had an appointment set up to have a shoulder operation. So that's really the only thing that was on my agenda was uh, you know, getting my shoulder fixed, um, you know, laying in bed for a week and then starting to rehab it and look for work. And so I hadn't thought as much as I should have, um, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I, I pretty much um, found a job working reception at a hotel. I'd always had the idea that I wanted to live abroad Um, possibly in Spain, where I'd visited um, before my freshman year, me and a few friends, did your typical backpacking trip through Western Europe, Um, spent two weeks in Spain, and I really loved it. I had maybe an inkling that I wanted to work in sports in some form or another and felt that if I were able to learn Spanish, that that might help me out. Um, And so I guess I had talked about it enough uh, with my parents that for my graduation gift. they said, you know, we'll buy you a one-way ticket to Spain if, and when you go. And so that was kind of the long-term plan. Um, you know, I through jobs that my friends had gotten at entry level jobs and in sales or marketing, I, I got a couple interviews. Um, thank goodness the one I got in which I got the furthest, I did not land. Otherwise I probably would have never ended up in Spain. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was, I was living at home, saving up money. And finally, uh, you know, my mom gave that uh, loving motherly shove out the door, <laughs> pretty much saying, you either need to find another job where you're making enough money to pay your own rent somewhere, or you need to move to Spain, like you were talking about. So that's when I picked up the, the research a little bit, um, figured out I could get a uh, get a certificate as a TEFL or get a TEFL certificate teaching English and as a foreign language at one of many programs offered in Madrid, um, found the one I thought was the best signed up for it. Um, I think I mentioned it to, uh, one of my teammates from Wesleyan, um, a guy named Emilio Parker, who was also from Piedmont. Um, and he said, Oh, do you, do you know that Ben Nadler, who was, um, one of his friends from Wesleyan and who I knew. Um, through him and some of the other guys on the soccer teams. Oh, Ben's living in Madrid. You know, let me provide an introduction. So I uh, reached out to Ben. He offered to let me crash on his floor until I found my own apartment. And I packed up my bag and moved, thinking I'd spend there, spend six months or a year there and, and ended up being there for seven. All right. So here's what I want to know. Yeah. A, did you speak Spanish at that point? You, mm-hmm. you mentioned so fluently at that point. Uh, no, I had studied Spanish, you know, growing up, but always kind of schoolboy level, um, had studied in high school, took a few courses at Wesleyan, um, <clears throat> but, you know, I think my Spanish was not great. Um, you know, I had a, one poor experience with, <laughs> with a professor at Wesleyan, um, one great one with Professor Kahn. Um, And then my sophomore year, I was taking Spanish Lit, but I got mono and just fell so far behind that I was really struggling. And I realized by the end of that term that my Spanish wasn't very strong and I was having a hard time um, in class and that there were so many other courses that I wanted to take that I figured I would put it on the side for then. And And try to pick it up again some point down the road uh in the future and so uh, when i arrived in spain i had you know i had a little bit i could ask uh questions and understand a little bit i could get around um but i was far from being able to hold a conversation however all of my previous studies did help once i immersed myself in the culture um and I was able to pick things up pretty quickly. Um, I found a job teaching at one Academy that allowed me to take free Spanish language courses as well. Um, so I did that a couple of times a week, which was super helpful. And I really just, uh, kind of threw myself into it. I made sure that I found an apartment where I was living with Spaniards. Um, you know, I was willing to have a conversation with anyone who wanted to talk to me. Um, and, I watched TV, I was watching soccer games. I was reading newspapers, reading sports papers. um, And so was really able just to pick it up pretty quickly. And within a few months had finally made a couple Spanish friends. And, you know, once, once I found some locals to hang out with and that really helped just being able to, to go be with them and, and speaking and, and hearing Spanish all the time.
0: So this is like circa two thousand five, somewhere in that range.
2: Yeah, I moved there in February two thousand four. Okay, maybe perfect. January two thousand four.
0: Perfect. So two thousand four. So when? So when do you make your way um, to Atleti? When do you become? Wh- how and when do you become a translator for for Atletico de Madrid? How, how does Yeah, that
2: yeah. Um, so I'll start by saying how I became an Atletico fan because I was. Uh, a diehard roji blanco, as they say, a red yeah. and white supporter, uh, before I started working for them. Um, so, as I'd mentioned, I was staying with Ben Nadler, who also is from Piedmont and, like myself, is a big Oakland A's fan. Um, he also, I think he'd studied abroad in, um, in Galicia and in Santiago de Compostela and had become a big Deportivo La Coruña fan. Yeah. So, he's a fan for them during the Super Deport years. Yeah, um, for soccer fans, will know who that know what that was, and uh, so he his friend group um was made up largely of expats from uh you know different parts of Great Britain. Um, so we spent a, a lot of our Saturdays going down to the to the Irish pub to to watch footy. Um, one was a Man City fan before they were it bought cool. into yeah, the yeah, superpower. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so um. And, you know, what he said to me was, Harry, Real Madrid are like the New York Yankees of Spanish football. I said, well, I sure as heck can't cheer for them. And I mean, at that time, you know, when I was at Wesleyan, there still wasn't a whole lot of European football on television. We were starting to get maybe like the Champions League League final, right? Yeah. Uh, They were starting to get like one or two two midweek games on ESPN, too. And so, yeah. Um, got, that's right. Yeah. So I was able to maybe watch a half before running off to training or, or class. Um, but, yeah, it just wasn't it wasn't mainstream the way it was now. It was, wasn't at the tip of our fingertips. So, um, you know, I, I knew a lot of the teams from playing FIFA, but I didn't have a team aside from Liverpool who I decided to cheer for because I saw Michael Owen score his wonder goal against Argentina in the World Cup. Um, so I became a Liverpool supporter, Um, but I didn't have a Spanish club, so um, pretty much I knew I couldn't be a Real Madrid fan. Um, Maybe it was because, you know, my high school was the Red Devils, Wesleyans, the Cardinals. I always wore wore red red and white, Um, so I'd go down to the pub near my apartment and watch Atletico games or whatever game was on on my own. Uh, Fernando Torres was a mulleted 19 or 20 year old at the time running around. And even though the team was mediocre, I kind of found myself pulling for them and, um, yeah, ended up, you know, being, becoming a, a diehard Atletico fan. And then it was a couple of years down the road. I think it was 2006. Um, I was probably, I think I was getting a little tired of teaching English. Um, you know, I ended up staying in Madrid every year because I just loved it so much. And there was always a question, okay, well, if I go home, then what am I going to do? I'm starting from zero on the job search again. I'm pretty happy right now. My Spanish keeps getting better and better. Um, I have a great, you know, several great groups of friends here, really fantastic lifestyle for a, you know, a young guy in, in their twenties. Um, and a friend of mine who actually um, was a friend of mine from Wesleyan who graduated my year, um, her name is Rachel Stein. Um, she was living in Madrid as well at the time. And so we became, um, we became very close there. And kind of out of the blue one day, I think she sent me a text or an email um, for an advertisement she'd seen in an English newspaper um, for... A job with atletico that they were looking for a part-time translator and english teacher so i said what why not i'll toss my hat in the ring
0: we um, set me up right yeah
2: so um <laughs> so i just you know i sent in and my resume with a with a cover letter uh got an invite down for an interview um the guy who the hiring manager was a British guy and he pretty much handed me a, a news article in Spanish and said, translate this. And I went through the first paragraph and he cut me off and said, okay, okay. I got it. You, you know what you're talking about, you know, footy lingo. Um, you know, you could you right. can do the job.
0: You um, were a soccer guy that basically spoke enough Spanish to get through the whole thing is the
2: Yeah. At that point, I mean, my Spanish was, was pretty good. I'd now been in Spain for a couple of years. Um, we ended up running into a roadblock cause I was so excited about the job. I failed to mention, um, that I was, I did not have, uh, the papers necessary to be working <laughs> in Spain. Um, you know, at that time English was in such high demand and, the uh, you know, everything was pretty lax around immigration. Um, so it's pretty easy to get in and out as a tourist. Um, So, uh, you know, I ended up getting a call back saying, Oh, we talked to the legal department. We can't, we can't hire you. And so I was super bummed. I thought about moving home. Um, I ended up sticking it out in Madrid for one more year. Um, at that point I was teaching mostly private classes, um, which was great, but it was tough when people canceled because you lost revenue and, and. You know, it happens when you're teaching professionals, Um, but I had an offer from a guy I'd met to teach at his new academy with like a great schedule and a fixed, a very good fixed income for a teacher. So I said, all right, I'll live one more year without having to worry about my paycheck month to month. And um, once I got things started there, I I got a call from somebody else at Atletico who had said, okay, well, the person that um, is leaving um, doesn't, is, is camera shy Um, She has kind of stage fright, and we've signed this Greek player. Um, We need somebody to interpret his press conference. Can you come do it? Um, We'll give you some tickets and a jersey. And so I said, "Great." I was terrified. I'd never sat on a a podium before in front of uh, you know forty or fifty journalists with with flash cameras going off, Um, and I'd never done a live interpretation. Um, But. You know, one of the things I learned you got to do is, is, uh, put yourself in positions that make you uncomfortable. And that's a really great way to grow and learn, um, and gain confidence. So I, I did that. And then once the, the person that they hired, uh, in my stead, um, quit the job after a month or two, uh, you know, they called me back and said, all right, we'll figure out a way to, to make it work. And we're able to, um, to kind of invoice through, through the teaching Academy where I worked. So that's really how I got, how I got my start there. Um, ended up translating for them for five seasons. Um, I think a a year after that, I started doing some freelance translating and through again, my friend Rachel found a translating agency that gave me some on the job training, um, some office hours and, and, um, preference as a freelance translator for new work. And so that really allowed me to cement my decision to stay in Spain as I had a new professional challenge, Um, didn't have to teach English anymore, um, and could really kind of dive into something new that I was able to learn as I'd never had any, never taken any translation courses um, or had any real training. Um, So that was something that was completely new to me. And so, you know, that along with mostly translating the, the Atletico webpage and other, um, you know, correspondence internal and external for the club um, allowed me to, to have a pretty good life over there.
0: What's it been like for you as someone who's, you know, self-proclaimed athletic fan before this, you end up there and, you know, we were talking about this before we, we went live today you know, Atleti at that time was a club that was massively in the shadows of, of Real Madrid, obviously, but also kind of just fighting to to maintain relevance. And, and, and since then, they have become, you know, a bona fide European power who is competing both continentally and domestically and and have 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 experienced the greatest success probably in the history of their in the history of their club. Um, what's it been like for you to kind of see the beginning and see where they are now? I mean, when you talk about becoming a fan, I mean, as a self-proclaimed Liverpool fan, I know everything there is to know about Fernando Torres, but for many years, Atletico Madrid was just the club that that basically provided Fernando Torres to the rest of the world. And now Atletico has, has um, you know, staked their claim as basically the third team in Spain. And, and in many ways, in many years, they can win, as you're seeing right now, domestically, they can win the league. And, contend your contend for for the crown of best team in Europe
2: it's definitely been fun to to see the success um you know I I moved home actually I realized thanks to Facebook today I moved home exactly 10 years ago today um which is crazy because sometimes it feels like it was yesterday um so I got to see some of the success um pre-Simeone um you know we won a, a Europa League and And we're having success there in 2009, 10, 11, but you know, it's not as an Atletico fan. It's not all about the success on the pitch. You know, they, it's a, it's a feeling that you have and that's what set, you know, makes you different um, from a lot of the other clubs. It's been interesting to see with the move to the new stadium, because I feel like, the club has lost a little bit of its soul. You know, it went from uh, being in the heart of the working class neighborhood, um, you know, near near Caravanchel, which is kind of known as a blue-collar part of the city, all the way across the other side of the city um, to kind of an area of new development. Um, and as is happening in many other with many other sports franchises here in the U.S. as well, is that some of the old older fans um, or previous fans are kind of priced out um, of some of the seating it's a lot more difficult for them to get to because it's so far away Um, and I have a ton of friends still in Madrid um, many of whom had had, they'd formed a fan an official fan club and it's mostly foreigners who had come to support Atletico and and who I got to know and became friends with and we have a a WhatsApp group chat. Um, so we can talk about all things going on in our lives as well as Atlético matches, signings, et cetera. And, um, and you can tell just in in our conversations that things aren't exactly the way they were. And there are several, at least there's at least one member of the group who often reminisces and, and wishes things would just go back to us being kind of a mediocre team, um, that hadn't, you know, didn't have, you know, large Chinese corporate investors and brand new stadium um, that just doesn't feel quite the same when when all the fans are chanting because it's not this not the same fans.
0: Yeah, no, I, I follow that for sure. And we experienced that, you know, with many, many, you know, when like as a Mets fan, when when the team gets investment, it changes the. It kind of changes the DNA a little bit. And, yeah. and it's what you were talking about with Manchester City. You know, I one of my best friends is a Manchester City fan. He's been a Manchester City fan for 40 years. And all of a sudden, people are growing up now. They think Manchester City is what Manchester United was. Exactly. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. But it's the reality of the situation. So with, with investment comes some rewards. But it also, you lose a little bit of the flavor. So it's kind of a balance there.
2: Oh. Sure. But uh, I, I don't mind, you know, you don't get tired of, of seeing success on the field and it's fun to win trophies and all, um, you know, we've become so spoiled as Atletico supporters now that, you know, we hit a, a bad, a little rut, like we have the last couple of weeks and you start throwing your hands in the air when this used to be the norm, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Right. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> I still, I still, I still watch all the games and, um, you know, love to, love to chat with my friends and, and have made some friends here in the U S um, who I've met just by being at a bar and that let's go game is on. And I was maybe by myself, Hey, can I join the game? You know, you guys are clearly at let you go fans and have made some friends that way. So uh, it's pretty cool to, to meet people on the other side of the world uh, through football.
1: So, so Perry, um, you know, we often talk about on, on, on our, our podcast, we talk about, uh, you know, the value of the liberal arts education, sure. you know, and I mean, I think, you know, a psychology major, you know, graduating from West, not knowing really what they want to do and then ending up with this incredible story of going, moving to a foreign country and, 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 you know, the, the, the adventure that you kind of went on, you know, talk about, you know, kind of how, you know, Wesleyan prepares you for a journey like that and what you learned when you're at Wesleyan so that you were, you were able to, you know, adapt and, and, and excel, um, you know, um, in another country.
2: Sure. You know, I definitely been fortunate as a kid that I was able to travel a little bit. So I, you know, with my family had been on a, a couple trips, had been to Europe before, had again, traveled with friends after high school. Um, but I think being at Wesleyan, um, was really fantastic because, you have so many really intelligent students from such diverse backgrounds, um, not only here in the US, but internationally. Um, so the opportunity to listen to different opinions and engage in discussions in and outside of the classroom with a lot of smart kids from, from everywhere um, definitely made me more of a well-rounded thinker and I think open to to new ideas. Um, you know, I think that was all a process started. I mean, growing up in the liberal Bay Area um, had kind of started me down that path. But, um, you know, all my interactions on campus, I think can particularly combined with courses I took in psychology, um, definitely helps improve my emotional intelligence as well, which I think helps you in all walks of life. Um, so Wesleyan really helped in develop my ability to think critically as well i think that's kind of the most succinct way to put it so we haven't really
0: touched on this but explain to us kind of you know obviously it's it's kind of taken a stop and start here with everything that we've all been doing over the last 12 plus months but talk to us about your project with lane united and and kind of what that entails for those who don't know lane united is a usl2 side and and periax is their general manager um and and Kind of explain to everyone who's not as, as, you know, in touch with the way that the soccer system works, basically, you know, where you guys are in the trajectory of other soccer teams and how you work in, in the grand, you know, in the landscape of United States soccer.
2: Sure. So we are uh, considered a developmental league. So most of our players are high level D1 athletes and come to play with us during a short summer season. Um, you know, we've also brought in international players and one of our, one of our former coach, John Gallus, had done a little bit of coaching in, in Spain on the side and set up a little bit of a pipeline there. So we've traditionally had a handful of Spanish players come every summer as well. Um, and so, you know, most of these athletes are guys who have the goal of playing professionally one day. Um, and so this is a way outside of their college seasons or if they're amateur, it's just another way to play very high level soccer um, and get some great coaching. in the meantime. and you know, Lane United, we're trying to make sure that these guys are as integrated into the Eugene, Springfield, Lane County area community as possible um, and make their experience really a phenomenal one while giving them a chance to, enhance their skills on the soccer field. Um, so we've sent quite a handful of players on to play professionally. Um, we have a couple guys in MLS right now. Um, you know, one of them plays at Minnesota United. So uh, imagine Am- Amos McGee may have, uh, may have been the one drafting him. Uh, that's Hassani Dotson, um, Kyrie Shelton at Sporting KC, um, who also got a cup of tea in the Bundesliga a couple of years ago um, and tons of players, um, USL championship, a uh, couple in USL league one, our former head coach, John Gallus is now the, the head coach at FC Tucson, which is USL league one. So that's the league above us and in, in, within the United soccer league uh, organization. And it's kind of full on professional. Um, so, you know, it's not just a developmental um, program for players but also for coaches as well and and the league likes to position itself as um, develop, a developmental platform for executives also um, so it's really been a cool experience for me um, on the one hand to return to an organization where I interned during the second year of my MBA at the University of Oregon Um, so I, I got to help the team out during their inaugural, as it prepared to kick off its inaugural season back in 2013 and 14. Um, so that was a really cool experience for me because it's such a small organization that they need help with, they needed help with whatever, uh, you know, pretty much in all aspects. So when I met with Dave Gallus, uh, the managing director at the time, he kind of said, what do you want to do? I said, what do you what do you need done? He said, everything. What do you want to do? I said, all right, well, you know, at, by that point I'd, I'd of course had my experience in the communications department at Atletico. I'd done an internship with the San Jose earthquakes in media relations. I had worked at the 2011 under 17 world cup in operations for FIFA down in Mexico. Um, and I was like, all right, well, we're starting to learn about sponsorship in school. Maybe I'd like to try that out. Um, so I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do after school. Um, knew I wanted to work and to help grow the game of soccer. Um, that was really the reason I moved home from Spain in the first place, was to help grow the game here in the U.S. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I got to some really good hands-on experience there, um, developed, uh, a great relationship with Dave, as well as his brother, John, who was the head coach and sporting director at the time, um, and helped them out selling some sponsorships, did some marketing, um, probably a handful of other things. I can't quite remember. Um, and then when the season rolled around, uh, ran game day ticket operations. Um, so that was a really cool experience and, you know, I've remained friends with them, over the years. So after I graduated school, um, had a few different hit stops at a, a brand marketing agency, was on contract at Nike as a brand manager in global football for a while, which is a pretty unreal experience. Um, though so I did have to work on Cristiano Ronaldo's brand campaigns, which was <laughs> tough for me as an Atletico supporter. Um, and, um, you know, was uh, on contract at, at Adidas in account marketing for a little while, Um, but it had fallen out of the sports industry other than, I mean, I, I've continued to do some youth coaching, um, that started way back when I was in Spain, um, and volunteered, um, with the high level amateur team here in Portland. That's, that's just recently joined, uh, the NPSL, which is another league that's more or less kind of at our level. Um, but, um, I was working out of the industry and wasn't happy. So, um, when Dave called me out of the blue a little over a year ago, Um, saying that they had enough funding uh, to bring on another full-time employee, Uh, a second full-time employee, as he was the only one really to date. um, You know, I jumped at the chance. Um, And so pretty much I I help him. In short, I help him run the organization. Um, So everything from, you know, marketing to social media, uh, merchandise, um, when he brought me on, my main focus was on corporate partnerships um, because we were, you know, five, well, less than five months away from the start of the season. Um, and that's one of the main sources of revenue. So um, that was fun for me. I really enjoy building relationships. And so getting to kind of jump into that head first and immediately um, getting connected to, you um, to companies and organizations with whom the club already had a relationship or doing a lot of cold outreach, uh, calling, emailing, um, trying to, trying to spread the word about our club and, and get partners on board, um, was, has been something that's been, uh, been really fun for me. Um, obviously we had our 2020 season canceled, um, and things have kind of been, uh, on hold, <laughs> Um, as we wait to see what happens with our 2021 season.
0: So based on, on your personal experience, we try to ask all of our guests, if you could go back to, you know, early two thousands, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. the boy band era, you know, things are kind of getting, um, things are kind of brewing, you know, in Middletown, what would you go back and what would you tell the current Wesleyan student based on what you know now, all your experience going abroad coming back to the West Coast, everything you've done now, if you can go back and talk to the 20-year-old version of yourself, Mm -hmm. the soccer player who's a sophomore in Middletown, what would you tell them?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I would still tell myself, go live abroad. Um, I think it's such an invaluable experience. Um, I think everybody should um, study abroad if you can. I I went and studied in Australia for a semester my junior year. And didn't fully understand the students who didn't take advantage of the opportunity to study abroad. I mean, <clears throat> yes, there's a, a s- small financial aspect of it. But if you're, you and your family are able to, to handle that, then um, being able to learn to live in another culture um, is really priceless. Um, and so I would tell everyone, go live abroad while you're young, if you can um, learn another language, um, can definitely help you out down the road. Plus it's just, it's really cool. And I think you get to see things in a different way. Um, once you meet people from different parts of the world, um, I loved being in Madrid, not only cause it's a great city and a fun place to be. Um, but there were so many people from different parts of the world that I met and, you know, i I became friends with people from, from Africa, all all corners of Europe, um, Asia, um, you know, it's just such a cosmopolitan city. And when you're a foreigner there, it's really easy to meet other foreigners as well. Um, another thing that I would tell people is that from a career standpoint, everybody's on their own timeline and takes their own path. So don't force yourself down one that doesn't feel authentic to you. I think that's what I would have done if I had jumped into a, if I had gotten that sales job back in San Francisco in 2004, probably eventually would have figured it out and gotten out of there. But, um, you know, I was just trying to find a job that paid me more. <laughs> and I did at times, you know, I would feel some pressure um, from people. Um, you, know, hey, you know, what are you doing over in Spain? Oh, you're, you're just teaching English over there. Um, you know, when are you going to get on with your career? You know, most of my good friends, family supported me and, um, you know, most, a lot of, most of my friends said, Oh, that's so cool. I wish I could do that. Like, well, I mean, you could, if you wanted to, yeah, you'd have to, I guess, give up the career that you've already started maybe. Um, but, um, yeah, if there's a a way to find a work, uh, find a way to make it work, to live abroad, you absolutely want to do that, but also don't feel pressured to, um, to do something you don't want to do. Um, I probably could have figured things out a little bit earlier as, as far as uh, exactly what it was I wanted to do. You know, I, I still don't know what I necessarily want to do five or 10 years down the road, but um, you know, obviously I, I figured out at some point, particularly once I got my foot in the door at Atletico that I wanted to work in sports. Um, and so for those who have figured out or think they know what they want to do, you know, first network hard, um, leverage your existing contacts. Um, you don't know who your friends might know. Um, they might, they aren't able to help you if they don't know what it is you're interested in. Um, I ended up getting, so I didn't move home till I had something set up in the U S and that was just an unpaid internship with the San Jose earthquakes. And I got that offer, um, by talking to Sandy Alderson, um, and, Don't remember if he was with major league baseball at the time, but of course he had been with the Oakland A's for many years um, when I was growing up. And so he had a lot of contacts in the Bay area. And so what he did was put me in touch with a former colleague of his who worked at the earthquakes, um, who in turn introduced me to somebody else at the earthquakes who ended up hiring me. And then, you know, my one month position with FIFA right after that came about from my boss, at the earthquakes, he asked me what was next. And I told him about my areas of interest and where I might wanna go. And he said, oh, well, I have a good friend who works in youth competitions at FIFA. Um, Let me provide an intro, right? So got an intro, worked my butt off so that I could get a good recommendation and then got hired for that job. So networking is really, really important and you never really know where it might come from, Um, but you have to put in the work, prepare yourself, uh, when you are able to get a, an informational interview with someone in industry, um, make sure you come off looking very prepared, you know, that you've done your homework and can explain why you have an interest in that, in that area. Um, you never know who might have an opportunity for you. The last thing I would say is um, w- while you're doing your networking um, or your research, figure out what skills you would need to be successful in that job or in that industry and set about acquiring those skills because it's easy to say oh I want to work in sports but you know there's so many different jobs within sports that that's not really going to get you very far so if you want to work in you know if your goal is to be like the VP of marketing for a team or or a sports brand or something like that you don't necessarily need to jump right into the sports industry you need to learn how to do marketing And just one quick example that I will tell about that is, you know, I realized that with a liberal arts degree, I I wanted to go back and get more of a business background, which is why I decided to go do my MBA at the University of Oregon. Um, They have a fantastic sports marketing and management track. And so when I went there, um, you know, I was one of the few people actually in my cohort who had some sports industry experience under my belt um, one of my, one of my classmates and a guy became a good friend of mine, um, had no sports experience, but he had seven years of experience in marketing at a very large, um, consumer goods brand. And so when he then tacked on the MBA and all the experience that you gain there and doing, uh, lots of consulting projects and, and internships, uh, he came out of it with, with a phenomenal job with Pegula Sports, so you know he works for the Bills and, and Sabers, um, and he came out with like a senior director level marketing job, um, and he was able to get that because he had general marketing experience. He hadn't just jumped in at the the ground floor. Now everyone takes their own path, so there are different ways to do it. But yeah, you know, figure out figure out what that skill set is, and 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 go about finding out how to acquire those skills.
1: All right. Well, Perry, we're uh, we, we're, we're at one of my, my favorite parts of the program. And that um, that's the, uh, we like to refer to it affectionately as the gauntlet. And, oh <laughs> uh, and this is, uh, we're going to ask you 10 questions mm-hmm. and uh, they're going to be kind of rapid fire. So just got to, you know, spit out the first thing that comes to your mind, so to speak. And, uh, you know, we'll alternate. I'll, I'll do one. Chris will do the next. And, you know, we can... We can get you through these 10 questions and then we'll, we're going to let you go. Right so uh, I'll, I'll start it. off. Okay. Here's the first one. Relatively softball question. Uh, favorite professor at Wesleyan?
2: Uh, Kelly Anthony. What class? I took a couple of psychology classes from her. Um, the, some of the more notable ones were social psychology, um, psychology of poverty, um, I know she's left Wesleyan a long time ago. I think is at University of Waterloo now, I believe. Oh, nice. Very cool. Who was
0: the most influential person in your life?
2: Well, historically speaking, uh, Mugsy Bogues was always my hero. <laughs> um, as a, That's as a an great u- answer! As an undersized athlete growing up, I idolized him. Um, and, you know, Are I you think five, he three? was just a, a testament to... If you work your butt off, um, you can accomplish anything. And our dog in the other room is, is named Muggsy after him.
0: Awesome. That's a great answer. That's an all-time
1: answer. All he right, was, a, go, so he was
2: my inspiration.
1: What was your first job post-graduating Wes?
2: Yeah, I was a receptionist at, and uh, yeah, and did some reservations at the Casa Madrona Hotel in Sausalito, California. And I got that job. Uh, because I had worked summers, uh, prior to that, um, for the, the woman who was at that point, the head concierge, um, at, a, a little bed and breakfast place up on Mount Tam called the mountain home Inn, And I pretty much reached out to her when I graduated just to ask if I could put her down as a reference. And she, I knew that she loved me. And so she said, you know what, I'll, we're looking to add people. I'll make sure you get hired if you want to come work here. And I told her, okay, but it's, I'm not looking at it long-term. She said, doesn't matter. I'll get you hired. So, uh, so she was a, a sweetheart. Um, another reason, you know, along the lines of making sure you network well, when you do get opportunities, no matter what they are, make sure you do a good job and build relationships.
0: Yep. All right. If you had to cheer for one, would it be Amherst or Williams? Oof. Uh,
2: that's tough. Um, I probably would cheer for Amherst. I guess Um, we never beat Williams during my four years. We beat Amherst in overtime, my freshman year, which was uh, one of my best memories on the field at Wesleyan and Williams also ended my career. Um, We played them back to back games one to end our season lost two nothing. And then we had to stay overnight and play them in the first round um, in icy conditions. And, um, yeah, they beat us five to one. I think Cardi Stevenson, who went on to have a long pro career and international career with Jamaica, <laughs> uh, helped helped do us in.
1: Okay, uh, I remember him by the way when I was coaching at Williams. Uh,
2: <laughs> well, I later crossed paths with at at the Earth at the San Jose Earthquakes when he was a player. Oh, so really? Cool to get to harken back to NASCAH days together.
1: Yeah, when you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up?
2: Uh definitely a pro athlete of some sort. I think at that point I was saying I was gonna be a a runner because I was the fastest kid in my class.
0: <laughs> what what's the best single piece of advice you've received in your life?
2: My dad will hate me for sharing this one, but this is the funniest one that I remember from being a child, and that was uh don't pee into the wind, <laughs> um, which I learned during uh Chris when we were Christmas tree hunting uh one year. <laughs> um that's a good one. No, that's a, you might want to leave it there. That's a okay, good one. Okay.
0: That's a good one. That's a walk off. Don't pee into the wind. That's perfect.
1: In uh, in three <laughs> words, in three words, describe your Wesleyan experience.
2: Fun, educational. Um, there's probably some other bigger adjective I should I should be coming up with to, to describe it. But um, maybe I could say eye opening. Maybe there you go. Perfect. that will work. What do you miss most about your Wesleyan experience? Yeah. Living with, living with great buddies, um, you know, sharing all aspects of life together, you know, getting, I think something I didn't appreciate enough was I didn't appreciate all of my classes. Probably. I think I kind of pick and chose the ones I liked the most. Um, but you know, once you're out of school for a while, you realize how lucky you were to have a great education. Um, like that and get to go to such phenomenal classes. Um, would love to go back and and retake some of the courses that I, that I took then, but really I think just the, the camaraderie of on-campus life.
1: What, what would you say is the best Wesleyan highlight? It could be anything associated with Wesleyan, um, from the last 20 years.
2: I love seeing, uh, you know, Wesleyan alum have success. And so, um, you know, well, whether it's reading what people are up, to, are up to in the, the magazines that go out, um, seeing Wesleyan, uh, get good press, whether it's from field Yates or, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's, uh, you know, all that stuff is pretty cool. Um, I think it's awesome what you guys have done, um, you know, with this podcast and getting to highlight. Some of the fantastic things that that people are doing in the in the industry.
0: A great answer. I tell you what, the best highlight for the last twenty years, Coach, it's got to be the Chris and Coach bump. It's got to be <laughs> the, <next laughs> for the last twenty years. I'll tell you what. I mean, I'm looking. Shane Scannell wins a Super Bowl. Jed Hoyer gets promoted to president of the Cubs. I'm sure, telling you, so bro.
2: Perry. Jed was on the coaching staff my freshman year well, uh, when you, I rode the sign of baseball. So it's cool. It's been awesome to see him have so much success um it's been great to see uh you know my friend from Wesleyan, kimberly martin who's now on espn on the regular well
0: listen i'm telling you perry here's the deal by rule just by being on this show that means you got to clear your schedule for the next couple months because big big things are happening now it is it is a bump that you cannot prepare for you think you're ready but you just don't know all right here's the last I'll, i'll mentally prepare myself I'm telling you, no, I'm, I'm serious. Do some research. It is big time. It is proven at this point. There's statistical research to prove the bump that comes from this show. <laughs> Who is the one Wes alum, if you could pick one, any Wes alum in the history of the school that you would most like to have dinner with?
2: Man, I mean, if I could just have dinner with my you know, my good friends from, from my class, that would be a, a treat. Um, That's you know, a good thanks, answer, though. Thanks to you know, things like Facebook, I've stayed in touch with a handful of them over the years. And a lot of them I haven't even seen since I, since I graduated. But, you know, even just having a message with, um, you know, former football player, Brendan Kelly, a couple months ago, who I may not have seen since graduation. Um, you know, that's that kind of thing is, is special. Um, and yeah, I would love to get uh, you know, the guys from, uh, from Clark from my freshman year back together for dinner or just, you know, I missed, yeah, I'm in touch with my, my soccer playing teammates and friends a little bit more, but, um, obviously if I, if I could just get the soccer team back together for a, for a dinner, that would be pretty special.
1: What, what floor did you live on in
2: Clark? Uh, four. So it's overlooking, the overlooking the quad, the baseball yeah. Field, football yeah. field. Yeah. I, I
1: was on, I was on the first floor of Clark my, my
2: freshman year. <laughs> yeah. We, we got hooked up. We had the sweetest view in the the entire building nice nice
1: well this has been great perry we really appreciate you spending some time with us tonight and uh uh again it's um uh you know the best thing about doing this podcast for chris and i is being able to uh connect with so many great people that uh have such uh, you know interesting wesleyan experiences in terms of how they came to wesleyan and then uh, you know the the amazing accomplishments that they've that they've, they've encountered after leaving wesleyan so uh, really. Really appreciate your time tonight, and certainly uh, wish you all the best.
2: I appreciate you guys starting this podcast and and uh, considering me uh, important enough to have me on. Um, It's been (laughs) a blast. I think this is actually the first podcast I've ever been on um, as a guest, Um, so very cool for me in that regard as well. And yeah, I guess to to any Wesleyan students out there who are interested in a career in the sports industry or want to learn more about my own. Uh, path or or whatever questions you might have if you're interested in soccer um feel free to look me up on LinkedIn and send me an invite um please do add a little note cuz get a lot these days um with no note and I'm like why do you want to connect? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> um obviously if I see you from Wesley I'll probably accept anyway but um you know happy to to share my experience with anybody who's interested and and try to help them out if I can or at least steer them in the right direction. Beautiful.
0: You heard it first, everybody. That's our guest from tonight, class of two thousand and three, Perry Hammond, with us. And Perry, we we again, we appreciate you taking some time. For the coach, Mike Whalen. For the producer who doesn't say anything but he thinks a lot of things, Mike O'Brien. Our guest tonight, Perry. I'm Chris Grace. Until next time, you're listening to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score, the only official Wesleyan University Athletics podcast. So long, everybody. Thank you